What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Thursday evening, one night after the Clippers came back in big time fashion against the Golden State Warriors. The never quit clips continued. And boy, I was supposed to do this podcast by myself because Matt Mattawarren decided to, you know, go on another little trip before the baby comes. The man is setting the record for the number of baby moons. And I was going to do the trip by my, I was going to do this pod by myself. I tweeted asking for questions and I got a DM. And so because of that, we have a surprise guest on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here joined by my buddy from the Lob the Jam podcast, Shap. The host is here with me back on Ethos Clippers podcast. Shap, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, Brandon. It's been way too long. I saw that tweet and I was I was wrapping up work and I was like, you know what? Why not jump back on on uh, Ethos Clippers pod? Yeah, it's been too long. I want to say maybe the last time we did it was the Paul George return game against the Utah Jazz, the comeback in uh, in that dreadful season that ended in a play in a play in loss. That might have been the last time. I don't know if we've done it since then, but uh, it's been a minute for sure. You know, I meant to check the date because on Skype, you can see the last date where you talk to somebody oh, on Skype that, that and right? it had that. And I forgot to look. I just happened to just click your name and I wasn't able to look, but I'm sure afterwards I'll be able to see. But I think you are correct. It has been a long time since you have been on the podcast. I'm glad to have you back. I've reached out a couple times. You've been busy. You're doing your own pod. I saw you posted a pod yesterday, of course. I believe it was you and Lucas that did a pod after the game. And so I didn't want to bother. um, But you reached out, which was very nice of you, because this Mm -hmm. way I don't need to talk to myself. And I can bring up the stuff I was going to bring up on the pod to you, and I can bounce them off you. So here we are. We are at the all-star break for the Clippers. There's still a couple of games going on. The inevitable T-Wolves win over the Blazers still needs to happen as we uh, record Mm -hmm. this podcast. But you and I... Oh my gosh, they're up by like 30 already. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. It's it's not going to be. But we haven't recorded, Matt and I haven't, since the T-Wolves game. Um, We didn't record after that game. So you and I can touch on that game a little bit. Um, We'll obviously touch on yesterday's game. But I want to start the podcast off with a fun little nugget that the Clippers right now, they're standing, they're currently sitting with a record of 36 and 17. Offhand, do you remember what the record was at the All-Star break last year, Shap? Last year? Um, You know, I actually think that it wasn't terrible because that was the Terrence Mann streak when they had been playing pretty well. So... So right now what? So you said it's 36 and 17 right now? Yeah. So let's say about 50 or so, 54, 55 games. Let me say that they were like maybe like a 30 and 22 or something like that or like something decent because I think they went on a streak or something along those lines near the end of it. And we're a few games over. So they did go into a streak going into the All-Star break. And then, of course, they had the inevitable bring Russ in and they completely fell apart. However, what you didn't remember is that the Clippers played 61 games in the first half last year. Oh, right. They were 33 and 28 at the break. They're 36 and 17 now. So they played eight more games last year. 
and they've got three more wins this year with 11 less losses at the All-Star break. So the Clippers are in a very good position, um, and this, of course, comes with the injury to Kawhi going into the break, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, but nonetheless, what I wanted to start off this podcast with is a, a good stat there that shows you that this team is infinitely better than what we saw last year. I know there's been comparisons between last year and this year. Obviously, with a healthy Kawhi and a mostly healthy PG, a couple of games missed for Zoo. The Clippers have been relatively healthy. So right now, I got to say, Shep, the Clippers are in really good position going into this second half, which I'm which I'm pleased about, and I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, Brandon, this is a this is the best Clipper team ever, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if there's much argument. I mean, probably a few years ago, that team that went to the Western Conference Finals that we couldn't see all the way through, that first year, the Kawhi Leonard, um, Paul George, Lou Williams, and Montrezl Harrell year, maybe, maybe close to as much talent, but... Um, I can't really think that there was a better team than this team. I know it's early. Um, things can happen injury-wise. But even if they did, uh, this feels like clearly the best Clipper team of all time. Uh, how deep they go is yet to be seen. But um, I can't help but feel that pretty recurrently here. And it's funny you say that. When you look and there was a team that once upon a time had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and J.J. Redick and was a pretty solid team there and Paul Pierce for the Clippers – um, it was an ancient Paul Pierce, but nonetheless, the Clippers had pretty good teams back in Lob City days, but it really feels like this is the best constructed team. Um, I'm not sure if it's the most enjoyable team to watch, and the reason why I say that is because it feels like now whenever you watch a game, you expect to win, and so it's not as enjoyable when they lose because, let's be honest, it's fun watching a team with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson and Elton Brand where you may not expect to yeah. win every game. And they're fun, they're high-flying. This Clippers team is more methodical and has really good skill players and actually can win a title. So I'm not sure if it's the most fun team, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I think you got to put it up there with one of the best teams the Clippers have ever had, which is crazy to say, and it, of course, hinges on health. But it's really been a good stretch this season, and for the Clippers to go into the All-Star break on a high note beating Golden State makes it even better because there could have been a lot that really we could have been bringing up on this podcast app. We could have been talking about what happened with PJ and Bones being sent home. We could have talked about Kawhi Leonard being hurt. We could have talked about PG getting four fouls in the fourth quarter to foul out. Like It could have been really bad, but winning a game cures a lot, and it, it's funny how that works. It, it's just a weird world we live in, you know what I mean? Yeah, winning makes the Clippers more enjoyable. Who would have thought? I mean, I think we would have thought after watching them last year, um, winning makes you more excited to do a podcast. You know, winning just has uh, has cured everything for this Clipper team, has made the, t the product more enjoyable. And the product has just generally been more enjoyable. You know, the process has been better. It's less grind out, ISO, switch hunts, and uh, more two on the ball from James Harden trying to swing, swing to an open – open look it, it's just been more aesthetically pleasing basketball too but uh you're right i mean had the clippers lost yesterday they were down virtually the entire game they were down 15 or so points at one point they were down double digits in that fourth quarter ty Lu got ejected paul george fouls out early on a boneheaded foul uh that took him out of the game um it was a bad game honestly like until until that run after Ty got ejected, it felt like this was just going to be a whole hum. Clippers didn't have it. They couldn't defend anybody. 
only James Harden was really rolling game. Paul George looked out of sorts. Um, Amir Coffey had early foul problems. And the team is just bad without Kawhi Leonard. And and what can they be without Kawhi Leonard? You know, is everything resting on this guy who gets hurt all the time? Are the vibes not there right now? There would have been so many bad. And then we're Clipper fans, you know, like we would have brought bad vibes too, just because of the nature of who we are. So it, it, it really helped having a win with a week off. <laughs> You're right, though. You are right because we're used to pain, and we're and of course you see the Kawhi injury thing before the game, and you say, "Oh crap, here we go. This is going to happen again." Um, I I got the alert as I was walking in the grocery store store with my kiddo, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me! He's listed as out mm-hmm. for the game. Like you've got to be kidding me!" I'm like here we go. The next day, the Clippers are going to lose. They're going to lose to Golden State going into the All Star break. After losing the Minnesota, this is not what you want to see. And I'm glad you brought up the whole Kawhi thing because I was ready to come on this podcast after watching the game yesterday. And we were in the third or fourth quarter. I was ready to come on this podcast and say, listen, I'm not going to take anything from the last game because as I've always said on this podcast and everyone who's listened to this podcast knows I say this, I'm not going to judge this Clippers team when Kawhi Leonard's not playing because Mm -hmm. this team is simply not good without Kawhi Leonard like it's a fine basketball team but it's not a contender and so you can't really judge the Clippers when Kawhi is not playing that being said what we can judge is that this team with or without Kawhi does not quit and continues to find guys that step up and whether it's normally with PG Kawhi and Harden healthy if one of those guys is having a big game or having a bad game, part of me, you expect a big game from someone off the bench, whether it be Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, Amir Coffey. Normally you see Norm Powell be that guy where the Clippers will have at least two to three guys that'll put up 15 to 20 points at least on efficient shooting and will come up with some big baskets. And there's no Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. So, okay, well, now you only have two of those stars. So you probably need two good performances either from the bench or from the starters combined of PG and Harden. And in this game, you get an ultra-efficient Harden performance, 7 of 12, hit four threes, missed just one free throw, contributing all across the board. You get PG contributing with his 24, and then you look at the bench, Norm Powell 21, Russ 15. And so this team continues to pick up the slack for anyone that's missing or performing poorly. And so I think that's the the one takeaway, at least for me, is that with or without a star in this lineup, this team continues to really sing the same song. And that's good to see because it means that you're remaining consistent, which is something that previous teams certainly have not had, Shep. Yeah, I mean, there's a real next man up mentality on this team that... I, I feel like the Clippers ha- haven't had maybe since that one Reggie-led year where the where the team somehow went, you know, 42 and 40 without Kawhi Leonard the whole year, without Paul George for most of the year, um, and, and managed to to kind of get themselves in a position to be a playoff team uh, before Paul George's COVID uh, case took them out of it again, fittingly kind of. But that team was a real next man up mentality. And it feels like it had been missing from the Clippers last year. It was a real, like, if we don't have Kawhi, this this team is kind of cooked. Honestly, last year kind of felt like we do have Kawhi. And is this team kind of cooked? Like, the, the team couldn't really gain enough separation from a Kawhi-led, you know, 
uh, standpoint, even when they were totally healthy, even when Paul George, Kawhi Leonard were on the floor together, even with Russell Westbrook, who was this much ballyhooed point guard that they finally had wanted and gotten, um, even last year, it didn't feel like it was there when the team was fairly healthy. Um, but now, like you mentioned, and I don't need to go through the metrics. The Clippers are not a good defensive team with Kawhi Leonard off the floor. Yesterday's game, notwithstanding, they were not good defensively last night. I'm really glad that Ty Lue and then Dan Craig did not go to small ball with that lineup because Kawhi Leonard is a linchpin of the small ball lineups. And the team is already sort of a forward, sometimes short as far as versatility and size with small ball units with Kawhi Leonard, they would have really drowned. Um, not to mention Draymond Green would have been playing free safety on Russell Westbrook in those lineups, but zoo stayed out there. And so it had to keep green uh, honest on him. And Russ was able to be a utility guy, Amir coffee, I can't say enough about Amir Coffey, who got his, who's just been getting his moments and getting his looks, and now has become an indispensable part of the rotation. Um, he's really the embodiment of next man up as far as it comes to the Clippers, and his torrid play deserves its own segment. Honestly, he's he's been so great. Um, Terrence Mann did a lot of lot of dirty work, including that tip out for the Amir Coffey offensive rebound that ended up in James Harden getting the game clinching free throws. Just just a lot of great stuff on this team. It it, it was would have been really easy to lose that game. It would have been really easy to lose that game is a phrase I've said repeatedly all season. Um, probably because I was used to seeing it last year. They had lost so many games that they shouldn't have. And it's just been a chorus on Twitter, this phrase that the Clippers would have lost that game last year. The Clippers would have lost that game last year. And you know what? The Clippers would have lost that Warriors game last year. They would have lost that game against the Warriors so many years. And I think they won the season series 3-1 to against the Warriors, uh, a phrase that should not be overlooked. The Warriors once beat the Clippers 12 games in a row before Lou Williams snapped that streak with a 50 ball in Golden State. So... These little moments, you know, of Pelicans blowout in New Orleans with the team just looking dominant, this win in Golden State, comebacks against Golden State repeatedly, actually. Um, these little moments, I don't I don't take these for granted. You know, I, I don't take that the Clippers playing these serious moments for granted against these teams that have often had their numbers. You know, it, it's been a real revelatory season so far. Yeah, and you hit on a couple things there that we are definitely going to touch on, and one of them being Amir Coffey, the other one being small ball. Um, but just to finish off your point, and it really is something that makes this season special, is that the games that even the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers were playing terrible, even those games, the Clippers are coming out with wins, which certainly is not something that would have happened last year or the year prior. And you mentioned the Warriors and the Lob City Clippers were terrible against the Warriors. It was a mm -hmm. guaranteed loss whenever the Clippers faced up against Steph and Clay and KD and Draymond. I mean, it, it was a joke. And JJ's talked about that plenty of times on his podcast about how they just felt like the Warriors had their number and it was just wasn't great to play against them. And it didn't mm -hmm. help when they came into the Staples Center at the time. And it was 50% Warriors fans or more. And it really was poor to see the Clippers just completely get destroyed at home. But nonetheless, I mean, a win is a win. And that's what we've been saying on this podcast, whether it's a good win, like the New Orleans one you mentioned, or a bad win. 
And the Clippers find ways to get victories, and that's why they currently sit at this strong 36-17 and 17 record at the All-Star break. You brought up a couple of things. I want to hit on Amir Coffey because I think he is a, a really big part of what the Clippers have been doing this season. I mean, no doubt about it. So here's something I want to discuss, and there's a couple different things that we can discuss. You mentioned the Stay Ready Clips. And you mentioned Reggie Jackson. Well, that we kind of compare, we can put these two things together. And that is Bones Highland um, was one of the two players, and we can talk about PJ later, was one of the two guys that was sent home. And according to Law, who does a great job covering the Clippers for the athletic, the Clippers mm-hmm. asked certain things of Bones to stay ready because they always talk about when if you're not in the rotation, stay ready because your time may come. And apparently, Bones was not doing what the Clippers asked of him. He's been upset with his role. And listen, I don't blame him. I was really excited for what he was going to be able to do to start the season. He was playing as that backup point guard behind Russell Westbrook. I was excited for the Clippers to get some youth. And he was doing great, so I understand the frustration. But that being said, Amir Coffey could have been in a very similar situation. Amir was not part of the rotation. All of a sudden, he gets called upon. And he runs with it and thrives. And he made a point to say that when I'm not in the rotation, I work even harder. Which some guys, mm-hmm. when they're not in the rotation, i.e. look at Bones Highland, didn't seem like he was working harder. He was working less because he was in frust- he was frustration. And this way, Coffee, he treats it as, you know what, let's do what I can so I can work even harder to get in the rotation so when my time comes, I'm ready. And he is the epitome of what this Clippers team has been this year. And for him to thrive like he has makes me so happy because effort deserves to be rewarded. And Coffee has done exactly that. So you look at the Bones Highland case, you look at the Amir Coffee case, and you can see why Amir is the one getting the minutes. And you can see why Amir is thriving because he is always ready to go. And he's just been fantastic for this Clippers team. He's been so good. I feel real bad for Bones. Um, I was excited for him coming in. He looked great in the preseason. He was taking contact, you know, kind of getting into his little middle game that we were concerned about. And then and then the Clippers got James Harden. He was always going to be the guy to kind of get the shaft and that whole thing. You can't really play Bones out there alongside James Harden. You can't really go super small. The Clippers tried it with John Wall last year. And it was so miserable um, that they just can't do it again. So Bones has no real avenue to playing time unless the Clippers' two most durable players and James Harden and Russell Westbrook get it. One of them gets injured um, and then he'll have some minutes. But neither of those guys have been getting hurt because they just don't historically get hurt very often. And um, unfortunately, it's it's taken Bones out of the rotation. And, you know, he's young. He, he came into this you know, Clipper team with maybe a bit of expectation to have a role. And then this happened to him. I feel bad for him because everything after Denver happened, he's been really great on the bench and smiling and hyped all the time. But apparently, you know, things that happen behind closed doors, you know, might not be everything that you see on the bench. So it's a shame um, for Bones. And I hope he gets an opportunity. I hope the Clippers can hold on to him. Um next year and ha- him having an opportunity and i hope he gets an opportunity this year he might still get an opportunity this year if russell westbrook or james harden miss some time or at least have a couple of games off here or there but you're right about amir i, I can't there- there's so many things to say about them amir coffee is shooting 60 percent like in the paint in the non-restricted area paint 
Um, only Avisa Zubat, Avisa Zubats, who shoots a league leading, you know, 66, 67% or so from five to nine feet, shoots better than Amir Coffey in that area. Uh, Kawhi Leonard shoots 54% in that area. James Harden shoots 33% in that area, which is a whole different conversation. Paul George shoots 44% from that area. And that's not even talking about his 45% from three. 45% from three, Amir Coffey. He's become automatic. Coffee in the corner last night won the game for the Clippers. Um, and he's willing to take those shots. The biggest difference between him and, uh, and Terrence is he has a quick trigger to take a shot and he will take a couple of dribbles into midi, you know, if he has to. He has been ready this whole time. It's a shame that he put on some muscle uh, to play a little bit more, maybe small ball five. It kind of messed up his season last year. Plus the fact that the Clippers had Nico Batum and and uh, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris. As soon as the Clippers lost all these wings, you're kind of you know curious about, will Amir Coffey get a shot here? I know he's maybe a bit more of a guard than he is a forward, but we lost all these wings, and Amir maybe has a shot here. The Clippers tried P.J. Tucker. They tried Kobe Brown before realizing, you know, the only guy that's really ready for this, truly ready, is Amir Coffey. He's been incredible. And I think the call for more minutes for him has been getting louder and louder. And it's hard to it's hard to really deny them, Brandon. I mean, I think I've been asking around Clipper people, where is Amir Coffey in your pecking order right now as far as closing a game? Can you keep Amir Coffey off the floor when it comes to closing lineups? Shap, this is why you do such a good job hosting a lot of the Jam podcast, because you are leading me into my next topic. And with <laughs> with Amir Coffey, the fascinating part about him is that he's shooting with confidence. And I tweeted yesterday, the big difference between Coffey and Mann right now is Coffey's willingness to just take whatever shot whenever he's open. I said, just love the way he's playing, and Powell fourth quarters are a thing of beauty. And so that's truly the difference right now. Coffey is confident. And he's willing to shoot, and frankly, he's a better shooter than Terrence Mann. And so that brings up a, that brings up a question that we got from Ross on Twitter that said, "Should Coffee start over Mann?" And I'm going to answer this in a way that you may you may agree with, you may disagree with, that may surprise you. And I think it's a very easy no. And mm. I'll tell you why. Two things. Number one, there's a very big difference between who starts the game and who closes the game. And who closes the game is what matters. And so to your point, should Coffee be closing over Terrence Mann? Right now, yes, absolutely. Number two, this Clippers team is going to need Terrence Mann at some point. And they're going to need him, A, defensively, because we've talked about all year how important it has been that he's been able to guard the best player on the opposing team and allow Kawhi and PG to kind of get that breather until the fourth quarter when they're needed to guard one of those top players. And number two is they're going to need Mann to get his confidence back on the offensive end because this team needs him as that spread-the-floor type guy. And so if you go ahead and you insert Coffee into the starting lineup, then you put Team Mann on the bench. That just makes your offense just so much worse on the bench. Because especially mm-hmm. the way, with the way Coffee's playing. And so you're going to bring Terrence Mann off the bench. You're going to bring Mason Plumlee off the bench. Two of your four guys immediately that just can't shoot. Adam Russell Westbrook can't shoot. So you're left with Norman Powell. And that's it. 
That's all you're going to have off the bench. And so that's why I think you need to do this the way it's been done. Keep Terrence Mann in the starting lineup. Get his confidence up. Have Amir Coffey as the guy you can bring off the bench. And if you want to close with him, with the way he's playing, he absolutely should be that guy that can close ahead of Terrence Mann. But you need to have Mann in there for the continuity. We'll see how it goes. I've been on this podcast. I have brought this up numerous times on this pod. Justin Wilson, I had him on. And at one point, when Amir Coffey was going nuclear, he said Coffey is better than Terrence Mann. And then, of course, that seemed ludicrous about two months ago with how well Team Mann was playing. And now we're back where this is being flipped again, where people are going Coffee over Mann. We can't jump to conclusions off just one to two months of performance. We've seen Terrence Mann succeed and be a crucial part of what the Clippers have done. The Clippers didn't want Terrence Mann included in the talks for James Harden. So give it a little bit, keep Terrence Mann in the starting lineup, close with Amir Coffee, and we'll go from there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. Coffee is for closers, to quote uh, great Brian Seaman. Um, as of right now, as far as should he be starting, I tend to agree with you. I think I still think Terrence Mann is a more physical point of attack defender, which helps keep guys like Paul George fresh for offense, Kawhi Leonard fresh for offense. Um, and I, I I agree that I think that there's a carryover effect. If you put Terrence on the bench, it probably puts more onus on a guy like Russell Westbrook to create offense, to to shoot shots. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is going to have more congestion in the paint because we've seen Kawhi Leonard running with those bench lineups at the end of the first quarter. And those are probably the most dangerous lineups that, in a bad way that the Clippers have when James Harden is on the bench and uh, Russell Westbrook shares time with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is on the bench too. Um, and those lineups are going to have Terrence and Russ together with Mason. That's just a lot of congestion and a lot of pres- pressure on Kawhi Leonard to make things happen when everybody is collapsing the paint. Um, you, at least with Amir, you have a threat, somebody that can be a spacer out there, or at least a threat to shoot rather than like, Terrence's, you know, longer shot and the fact that he just might not shoot either. So I agree with you. I, I think the continuity is important. And I also think the fit is just not quite there when you look up at, at the lineup. I, I think Amir being rewarded for his good play is already being shown with him closing games. And uh, I agree that I, I think Terrence is is a good fit for those uh, innings eating. I think Lucas likes to use the phrase innings eater, eater on defense, uh, which he can be at the point of attack, we need Terrence to be better. You know, there's not much that needs to be said. You've kind of mentioned it enough that abandoning him and making him a bench player and telling him to kind of figure it out with those units that have been kind of the nadir of Clipper basketball recently, as far as plus minus goes and where leads are a bit lost usually. And those Westbrook Kawhi lineups that are, have been kind of a negative uh, often. So I, I tend to think that you should set up Terrence for a bit more success. Amir is having his share of success by closing with the team and now being the easy injury fills uh, starter for when anybody is hurt that's a guard, uh, particularly Kawhi or Paul George. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think the more important thing is who plays more minutes, and I think that argument lies with Amir right now. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, got a couple more things I want to hit on before we close up shop. All right, back from break here, and a couple more things I want to hit on, and obviously I think we 
made the case that Coffee certainly is the guy right now over Terrence Mann. But listen, it's game to game and really has been impressive. You brought up a great point how Coffee can just slide into that starting lineup whenever one of PG or Kawhi has missed a game. He just goes straight in and it makes a lot of sense. And it keeps your bench guys who have been playing together in Russ and Norm and Plum. It, it keeps them together, which has been good. Um, I want to hit on, we're going to jump around here. Um, we mentioned Bones mm-hmm. and his situation. Uh, let's talk about P.J. Tucker because what has been going on with him has been strange. And he's a guy that's certainly acting as if he is in his mid-20s and is playing at an all-star level. But he has been putting forth this trade demand, which he has gotten fined for today, um, which is just comical. And I mean, it's enjoyable uh, on my end to see a guy <laughs> get fined when he's asking for a trade when he really d- shouldn't really be in the position. Like, I get it. You, you're a guy who is not fitting right now with this team and you want to go somewhere else. But at the same time, like, dude, you don't really do very much anymore. You're not a great shooter. Your defense is not as good as it once was. So the whole situation, though, has been strange because you could look at it and say, he could easily be a guy that could be tanking the Clippers season. I mean, the Clippers could be losing games, and then all of a sudden we see an athletic piece behind the scenes that's written by law after the season ends about how the the Clippers' chemistry just went to absolute shit when all of a sudden P.J. Tucker just didn't fit with the team. But that has not occurred. The Clippers' chemistry has stayed strong despite this Bones and P.J. stuff. Um, but a real weird situation where I think he wanted to get traded. It didn't happen. Now people are saying maybe he should re-enter the rotation. Listen, I don't think there's a spot for him in this rotation. I understand people think, oh, let's throw him back in. Let's, you know, he, he could be a good fit. Maybe against a team like Minnesota, when you get your butt kicked like the Clippers did um, a couple of days ago, maybe it would make sense to have him go in there if you're going to try and go small because it's someone a little more physical that could probably cause some problems for Towns or Gobert. But apart from that, like all of a sudden, there's no reason to just shoehorn him into the rotation because he's crying because he's not getting playing time. Like the rotation that you have right now works. Whose minutes is he taking? That was my big thing with the Clippers making a trade at the deadline. Whose minutes is PJ Washington taking? And would it be Plumleys in a situation against uh, the T Wolves? Yeah, probably. But in general, when everyone is healthy, Whose minutes is P.J. Tucker taking? And so I don't think it makes sense to shoehorn him into those rotation just because he's upset. Do you think that he should come back in the rotation or do you think that it should be as, as is right now? Yeah, P.J. Tucker is a situational player. He was a situational player when the Clippers got him and Ty maybe just tried the sample size thing to watch him fail a bit. I won't say that P.J. Tucker's like totally failed. It's not like his units had these dreadful, you know, negatives or these awful net ratings or, or things like that. It's just clear from watching him that he still has something on defense. You know, he's still that sturdy defender who can play some small ball five has some utility against guys like, you know, uh, at times, if you want to use him against Zion Williamson or a Jokic type who he's had some success against or Giannis or these guys who you just want to have a bully down there, particularly a guys like Giannis and Zion who have no shot, who uh, can be really physical with other players. And if you want to do some five out matchup hunting, you can. But Tucker on the other end, his, his three point, you know, his per like his his per 36 is as far as shooting from from 
the corner with his his spot that he used to shoot from all the time. It's just dreadful. Like he just doesn't shoot very much from the corner, and it's a huge deal to shoot. And it's not just his percentage. It's kind of that Luke Mbamute thing, right? That Clipper fans are so familiar with. Luke Mbamute once shot like forty percent from three, and Clipper fans were parroting it a lot. And like, oh look, look, Luke, he's finally getting it together. The bigger problem is that he just wasn't willing to shoot. And if you're not willing to shoot, guys aren't going to come out and defend you. And then people will just clog the paint and it's going to be harder for everybody else. And that's the issue with P.J. Tucker. People don't really trust him to shoot anymore. They'll dare him to shoot. And if he hits a couple, then maybe they'll think twice. But he hasn't even really been hitting shots as a clipper. I don't think that he should just be given minutes. Minutes are earned. I still think that there may be some situational. I mean, even with a team like Minnesota, like what? Are you going to? have him out there to defend Carl Anthony Towns. Every time the, the Minnesota Timberwolves run plays that aren't through Anthony Edwards or Mike Conley, it's a W. So it's like I have him there to guard Towns, who I want to be in the post anyways, making decisions. I just, I don't care so much. I, I worry about Anthony Edwards and even Conley to a secondary extent on that team. If you give it to somebody in the post and it's Carl Anthony Towns, I kind of live with the results. You know, I know that he's punished people in the post at times, but he's kind of more fearful as a jump shooter to me, uh, a guy from the perimeter where he's like one of the best uh, outside shooting big men of all time if you if he's working in the on the block against somebody i don't even really care too much who it is and it's not a mu- enough of a trade-off for pj on the offensive and that's put, i'm putting out there zion williamson i think he's a great look for zion at times you know i, I think that that's a matchup that we can kind of look at uh, he would have been better than Plumley out there against Zion. that's for sure Plumley fouled out in like 10 minutes against zion um so i think that there's situations where pj is useful he's not an every game player and uh Maybe he plays, he he finds a situation and he plays himself into more minutes. But as of right now, I don't think that they should be forced. And I don't think Ty is doing that right now. You know, he didn't play him last game when the Clippers were down a forward. So, or he didn't like, he didn't like cave and just like, okay, you can play and uh, you can go ahead and, and play some minutes, even though you're sulking. He, he didn't really seem like he's caving. You know, that's nice to have some discipline and and punish a guy who's pouting and doing all this Instagram stuff and talking about how he should be playing. I mean, that's enough, man. We're playing so well. Like, why are you doing that? So it's good to see the team be kind of no-nonsense about it. Yeah, it's dramatic, whatever. But they came out of that with a win. So results speak more than anything. So I, I, I tend to think that minutes are earned. Things are earned in basketball and in life. <laughs> So PJ has not earned these minutes and he should not play them if he hasn't earned them. Yeah, listen, if Bones Highland's not putting in the work that the Clippers are asking him to do, then yeah, he shouldn't be getting any minutes in garbage time Mm -hmm. when the Clippers are going to their bench. I mean, you haven't seen him in garbage time and PJ Tucker is not getting minutes in garbage time. Like if these guys are not contributing during practice and contributing off the floor, then they're not going to get minutes. And like you said, minutes are earned and You've been banging this drum for a while that Ty Lue has really been pulling the right strings this season. And Mm -hmm. early on when the Clippers got James Harden, that wasn't the case. But he adjusted quickly. And ever since he made that change to put Westbrook off the bench, um, whether you think that was his move or you think it was Westbrook's nonetheless, and put Harden in the starting lineup, he really has pulled the right strings at every single turn. You look at last night. The Clippers had no energy. They're playing terribly. He goes and defends his dudes and gets tossed, and, and he does that, and the Clippers all of a sudden 
come back and win. And you see that all the time in baseball when a guy gets a manager goes out, argues with the home plate umpire because his pitcher's not getting the outside corner of the plate, or his batter's getting or his batter is getting screwed on the outside corner and the inside corner. His pitcher's getting squeezed. You see it all the time. And guys respond to that because it shows, mm-hmm. hey, this dude's in my corner. This guy has my back. If he has my back, then F yeah, we have his back too. Let's go out and get that win. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. So yeah, Ty Lu continues to pull the right strings. Yeah, Ty's been great. Um, I don't have much to really complain about with him. I think he's gone through all the right corners and all the right channels as far as how to get his guys out there you know i'm sure that there there's going to be moments i still want to criticize him at times sometimes the westbrook minutes are a bit much and blah 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 but what am i gonna say you know there's real egos to to massage in that locker room and you can't just cut people out of the rotation entirely right away same thing with the four hall of fame lineup that they he played at once pj tucker getting some minutes even kobe brown um who i'm glad that we got a shot to look at uh, i thought that that was great that kobe had a good month of seeing what he has and seeing if he could be that piece that size he's not quite there but uh there was enough good stuff there that I'm glad we got to see it. So I think Ty has done mostly the right things uh, since the lineup change. And he deserves kudos. You know, he's in a contract year, too. Yeah, no doubt. And he's he's certainly earned whatever contract he gets. I mean, you could say that he is number two, number three coach in the NBA uh, behind Eric Spolstra. And so we'll see what contract he gets. But nonetheless, it's been a good year for him. Um, One more thing I want to hit on, and that is the small ball that you brought up earlier. And it kind of loops in what we saw against Minnesota, since we haven't really touched much on that game. Um, What was interesting about that game is, first of all, you saw Kawhi aggressive on the offensive glass after the Clippers got zero offensive rebounds the game before. But with the small ball, the, the small ball only works if the other team is settling for jumpers. And like you said, the ball is in guys' hands that you want to be in. So... When the Clippers went small, we saw Anthony Edwards take a jumper and it didn't work and he missed and it helped the Clippers. But then when they attack you and Minnesota was not afraid to do that in this game. And I wrote down a couple of different things that happened when Nikhil Alexander Walker had that backdoor cut. And when Edwards had a driving layup, easy buckets came because they attacked the small ball lineup that didn't have a center and there was no one there to contest at the rim. Then the Clippers went small when Zoo picked up his fourth foul, four minutes into the third. Edwards missed a jumper. Russ got a steal on the entry pass in the first two possessions. And then it once again, it went to shit. Russ missed a layup and a dunk both times. Minnesota got points off of it. So the Wolves just destroyed in the paint on both ends, whether it was getting easy shots or preventing the Clippers from doing anything offensively. And so with the small ball, you need to be able to rebound and you need to be able to contest inside the painted area and the Clippers did not do that and there's a reason why Shap the Clippers death lineup has not been a small ball lineup this year the Clippers death lineup has been the three studs in PG Kawhi and Harden Norm Powell and Zoo and when those five are on the floor the Clippers have been outstanding because they have that defensive anchor in Zoo so your thoughts on small ball and I don't think you can do it against a team like Minnesota. I just don't think you can. Um, but 
it's certainly something you can do at some point. I know you and I have been in agreement on this topic for a while that we would like to see Zoo in the game late because if you're winning a game, you need a guy to get you rebounds so teams don't get second chance opportunities. And mm-hmm. if you're losing a game, you need to get rebounds so you can get those possessions and be one and done. So curious your thoughts on what you've seen from the small ball recently. Yeah, you know, I think we've kind of seen that small ball has worked in spurts against these bad teams. I loved when Ty went small against uh, against Atlanta um, because the whole idea there was you have this guy who's the head of the snake whose entire game is around getting two on the ball. And if you have Zoo out there and he's running pick and roll, then Trey Young, who's one of the best passers in basketball, is going to be able to get to one the ball, and he's going to be able to pass it to shooters, and they're going to get looks. So they went small, and they switched everything, and they just tried to stay in front of Trey Young, and they did. And that kind of mucked up their offense. They were able to collectively – I think Clint Capella wasn't playing that game, so you didn't really have a guy that could really hurt you – on the roll uh, as badly or or a guy who historically we know can can do that. And the Clippers were able to kind of play big. Russell Westbrook had a great deflection on a a roll. I remember that game and, and the Clippers were able to stay in front of Trey. So that was a smart thing to do to go small in that kind of situation. In general, if you're playing in the playoffs, I, I tend to side generally that like, your best players should be playing games. And uh, (laughs) Avisa Zubats has been one of the Clippers' best players. Um, I understand the premise of small ball with the Timberwolves, however. Um, The Clippers just bringing Rudy Gobert out of the paint. It's it's a lot of that Utah Jazz stuff, right? You know, bring Rudy out of the paint and kind of try and hope you neutralize their defense a little bit by taking away uh, the rim protector. Obviously, this Utah Jazz team is much better on the wings defensively than than uh, this. You know, this Minnesota Timberwolves team is much better than the Utah Jazz were ever on on defense on the wings between Edwards and Kyle Anderson and of course Jaden McDaniels, who's a superstar defensively. As far as I'm concerned, he might be the best defensive wing in all of basketball. So uh, it's not nearly the same thing, but. I do think that they'll consider going small against the Minnesota Timberwolves because of bringing Rudy Gobert out of the paint. Ty Lue even said that small ball was something that he took from that game as far as being a positive because of how it ended that first half. You know, the issue with small ball is, you know, right, can you get stops? Because you need to get stops and push and push and transition. And I, I think a bigger issue with small ball is how how are you using Russell Westbrook, you know, especially on, on offense? Do they have an elite rim protector that's playing free safety on Russell Westbrook? Um, and is it really neutralizing your offense? Because if you're going to go matchup hunting in small ball uh, with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, but you have Rudy Gobert sitting in the paint because he's not paying attention to Russell Westbrook, not just Rudy Gobert, but then, you know, you have other Anthony Davis, if you're playing the Lakers or uh, Nikola Jokic gets a free pass. If you're playing the Nuggets and he's not being put in pick and roll where the Denver Nuggets can be attacked and, and his slow feet can kind of be attacked too. There's so many instances with these elite Western Conference teams where you think, is small ball really helping us? You know, it, are we really finding the matchup that we want? And is it really worth having an elite guy sitting in the middle of the paint, you know, contesting shots? Draymond Green being another guy of the Clippers 
are going small against the Warriors, who aren't even an elite team. But if you just let one of the most, the most, you know, a generational defender play free safety on Russell Westbrook, then you're kind of screwing yourself over. That's why you have Zoo in that in that situation to have uh, that guy pick him up. If you have Zoo uh, out there playing short role with Nikola Jokic, or defending on the other end, containing Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, you're working with something there. You know, I do think that there's real understanding of having it out there to just to pull Rudy from the paint regardless of who's around him but this Clipper team you know you got to make it work on both sides and you can't you can't have Rudy guarding Russ because if that's the case then you don't have him coming out of the paint you have you don't have Terrence Mann going seven for ten from the corner because Rudy is on Russ and not on Terrence you know or not on Amir Coffee. You can go small and maybe go away from those Russ lineups and have Amir Terrence two and three Norm out there. That's quite small. You really have to gang rebound all around. Rudy Rudy can hurt you on the glass. The issue the other thing with going small against the Timberwolves is do you are you scared of Rudy Gobert you know as the roller as a guy down low? You are scared of him on the offensive glass, but I. I don't think he's really a threat if you can push him five to nine feet from the basket. It's a really interesting look, I think, for the Timberwolves. But in general, I think that the team benefits from having Zoo out there. Matchup dependent, I think it's really interesting against the Timberwolves. But you have to make sure you have the right lamps out there. And, and unfortunately, you know, Russ, I don't think, is featured in those lamps. Because if, you're, if your whole premise is pulling Rudy from the paint, you need to have a guy that can do that. And uh, and Russ would not be in those lineups, in my opinion. And you need to have the defensive intensity. I mean, it absolutely has to be there. You have to be uh, on a string. Everyone has to be knowing exactly where they're going and be on the same page. And you bring up a good point mm-hmm. where, sure, you may think you're being clever by doing it so that you're pulling Gobert out of the paint because you have him defending someone like Terrence Mann. Um, but if it's Russell Westbrook, like you said, then all of a sudden he's playing free safety in the defensive end and you're in trouble. And then in the offensive end, you have Gobert that's able to get those offensive rebounds and the second chance opportunity. So it really needs to be the perfect team on the floor. And that's probably a, a look when you go to a guy like Amir Coffey. And we talked about him in the start of the podcast and how important it is to have his three-point shooting. You have Harden, Kawhi, PG, Coffey, and Powell. And maybe that's the lineup that you go to in the small ball. And that works because every single guy on the floor there can shoot. And as long as you do that, then all of a sudden your offense can do the the brunt of the work. And your defense, Mm -hmm. you have Kawhi and you have PG, and then you're hounding guys. But it's tough because... And you have to maintain that defensive intensity yeah. that Russell Westbrook has been great at bringing with those small ball units. He's yeah. been a real center point, uh, centerpiece of the defensive intensity of those small ball units. Can Amir and Terrence, uh, alongside to win three and Harden, can they bring that intensity like from a possession to possession aspect? It's a lot of work. Small ball, like it's a lot of work to guard up, man. Like, and, and one thing I'll give to Russ, he's been so good guarding up since he's been a Clipper. He's been very into those kind of uh, matchups. And he uses his athleticism to kind of get in passing lanes. And we saw it on the little bit of those short rolls with these small ball units. And he guarded Claxton really well. And so can you maintain that defensive intensity from a small ball? It's why you miss Rocco. It's why you miss Nico. They clean up a lot of that stuff uh, when you're going small that uh, Russ has done an admirable job of doing. But then again, 
the issue is maintaining that intensity while keeping the spacing on the other end, right? Yeah, exactly. And Russ has been great in terms of his energy and getting rebounds in that small ball, which is critical, mm-hmm. and getting those deflections, getting those blocks. It just in this matchup against Minnesota, it may not work because um, of what you need. But nonetheless. Um, a really good podcast here, Shap. I, Jesus, the time flies. It's been 47 minutes that we've been recording, and we didn't really mm-hmm. even touch on Kawhi. Um, we'll see what his injury is like, um, hoping that it's nothing major. Once again, of course, it's another injury that a player has been dealing with but has not been on the injury report. And so apparently <laughs> this is something that he's been dealing with, this adductor, and he's been playing very well through it. So hopefully – this is just one of those, hey, let's rest him for a game. Let's not make this works. Let's give him another week off because the Clippers have a huge game against the Thunder um, right out of the All-Star break. So hopefully he's ready for that game. Who knows if he will be, though. Just hopefully he's right sooner rather than later. The adductor, I mean, I'll give you a couple a uh, couple seconds on this one before we say goodbye. Are you worried about this adductor? Um, I'm more worried because it's Kawhi more than anything, and all things minor seem to turn major with him. Um, but the adductor, is that something that we should be worried about? You know, it's funny that Kawhi and uh, and have you ever had an adductor strain, Brandon? No. Yeah, I, I I've had them. Uh, it's it's funny because um, I feel like I tend to have. I still play some pickup here and there, and I feel like I tend to have a little bit of strain on my adductors when I really need to defend, like for an entire game. Mm. When I when I find like, oh, I need to defend this guy because he's he's good, or after really, or we're playing something intense and I'm playing a bunch of pickup like in a row. That's when I kind of feel it in my adductors, uh, like my inner, ha- you know, your inner hamstrings. Um, when you're when personally when I'm in like a stand and like at a good stance and I'm like always in that position is when I kind of tend to feel it. So it's been kind of fun to me um or telling that Kawhi Leonard has an adductor strain Paul George has a groin strain and, and they've been defending up all season you know uh if it if it's been taking a little bit into their legs as far as like kind of trying to maintain and being sturdy low men and and uh, and taking the the assignments they've been taking you know I, adductors and and things like of that nature um it's hard to say entirely. We don't know MRIs. Not that we ever would know the MRI and the grading of the adductor strain if it's a grade one or two. The Clippers are never going to tell us that. Um, but, you know, all the language that we've heard from Ty Lue, you know, he sounds like Kawhi Leonard is going to be at the All-Star game. We don't know his status yet. It's good that we don't know he's out outright, you know, of the All-Star game. Um Adductors are tricky. You generally just need to give it some rest and give it some time, hit some benchmarks, and then you're kind of good to go. You try it out, and then game time stuff, you know. Eventually you do, you know, some five-on-five stuff, and if you feel comfortable, you go. It's a real delicate injury where if you go too hard, then you could hurt it again. But these guys are such world-class athletes. I think Paul George has talked about his growing stuff too. You just kind of baby it a bit until you feel comfortable again, even if you play through it. And and then you go. It, it's a, it's a real tricky thing where just certain movements you feel it a little bit more. And yeah, I've had I've had a little bit of a doctor stuff myself here here and there, um, just because I probably ignore legs much more than these guys. So I feel like it, it tends to get uh, a little bit sore for me a little bit more easily. But uh, it's it's usually you know if it's a grade one type of thing, it's like a one to two week kind of thing, and really. It just depends on the degree of how bad he feels and and all. It is to me reassuring that it's something that he's just been kind of playing through, and they decided to kind of stop him from playing through it rather than making it worse right at this timing. So I think all we can do is be kind of optimistic for once about these Clippers and uh, and hope that we kind of 
have good things going for us and that it's not going to be something that nags into him, you know, gratefully uh, or thankfully it happens now that he's taking some rest where we have a week off and we'll know sooner than later if he plays in the all-star game, then obviously, you know, it's not so bad. So if he plays or if he doesn't play, I wouldn't freak out either way. If I was a Clipper fan, even if he does play, you know, so yeah, I, I think uh, it's good to be optimistic. And from the language we've heard, I, I think it's okay not to freak out too much. Shep, there's zero chance that he plays in the All-Star game. Absolutely <laughs> zero chance that he plays in the All-Star game. There is no way he's missing a game on Wednesday and then playing in a game four days later. Zero chance, Shep, that he is, that he is playing in the All-Star game. You know Kawhi Leonard. You've been following this guy. Good yeah. for you. I, I applaud you, there's, Brandon. That's, there's... A, that's a fair bet. You're taking that bet. You're taking that FanDuel bet? <laughs> yes, I am taking that bet to the bank. I will mortgage everything that I've got that he is not playing. I'm going to DM you if he plays. The, Cli- but, the, but yeah, the yeah. Clippers, no way. The Clippers would be so pissed off if he plays. I mean, listen, the, the Clippers, we started this podcast talking about what the Clippers' record is. The Clippers still have 29 games left to play. Um, as I have an alarm that goes off. 29 games left to play, man. That is a lot of game, a lot of basketball. And mm-hmm. the Clippers need Kawhi healthy. This is going to be a brutal stretch. Just the opposite, where the Clippers' first half was awful last year. The second half is going to be really tough this year. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of three and four game weeks for the Clippers, and a lot. Mm-hmm. So it'll be difficult. Listen, Shap, you've been awesome at the Lob the Jam Pod on X slash Twitter. He and Rich Homie Flum on the platform of Twitter slash X and Lucas J Han as Lucas and Robert and Shap do an amazing job with. The Lob the Jam podcast, part of 213 Hoops. You can follow all their stuff there. Shap, appreciate the time, my guy. Of course, Brandon. Anytime fun stuff, it's good to to get on here with you finally again, man. Always great. And we'll be back at some point. I don't know if uh, if Matt's going to come back from this baby moon. I don't know what his deal is. We'll see. <laughs> and if he does decide to come back, then uh, maybe we'll do a podcast either Sunday or we'll do it at the beginning of next week as we look ahead to the second half of the season. So for Shap, I am Brandon. And I'll let you sign off, Shap, with your signature. Go ahead. Go Clippers! Go Clippers!